Welcome, everyone. This is Mia Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations Magazine. Welcome to the New Observations podcast. I am delighted to be uh, back in the uh, interviewer seat uh, after probably six weeks of um, dealing with some uh, health issues, as a matter of fact, but everything's well, and um, organizing the upcoming conference uh, July 23rd through the 27th in South Dakota, and in addition, publishing the new observations issue on Pine Ridge, which is about to be released in just a couple of weeks. Um, if any members of the audience would like to receive the PDF version of the Pine Ridge issue, please send me an email at mia.ferroletto at gmail.com, and I'd be delighted to send you a, a copy of it. It will also be available on the New Observations website, which is www.newobservations.org. It's an extraordinary issue uh, with, um, I, I just can't express my gratitude and um, appreciation for the contributors to the magazine. We are covering um, life on Pine Ridge from the 1970s during the time of the Wounded Knee Siege up to Standing Rock uh, in North Dakota and current days with the coronavirus on Pine Ridge. And uh, we are featuring the art of Leonard Peltier. We have uh, 26 of Leonard's paintings that are being reproduced in the issue. And uh, John Fusco, who wrote the screenplay for the film Thunderheart and produced as a co-producer for the, the movie, Michael Apted film from 1992, um, wrote an incredible article for us. Chase Ironize, one of the leaders of Standing Rock, contributed an article. And our next guest not only contributed an article to the Pine Ridge issue, but she was also a speaker at our conference this past July on Pine Ridge, uh, which Whitley has spoken of and written about extensively in his new book, A New World. Please welcome Cindy Catches to the show. Hello, Cindy. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, me. It's really an honor to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's my it's my pleasure. Um, it's such a gift for us to um, have you share your current life on the Pine Ridge Reservation and the extraordinary, truly extraordinary and magical love story of how you got there <laughs> um, all, uh, almost 30 years ago and um, what life is, is like now. Um, you have a, a, just an amazing legacy, which we, we'd like to hear about. Um, how did you meet your husband, Peter Catches, and tell us about Peter. Well, I had, uh, I had known about his father, Pete Catches, was a 37th generation Lakota medicine man, and he is beloved in Indian country for bringing the Sundance back out into the open in the early 1960s, while it was still against the law into 1978. Um, it had to go, the Sundance never ended. It had to go underground. Um, but um, Pete had the courage to bring it out. Um, I had a Lakota elder, Patricia Locke, who's re pretty renowned in Lakota country too, from Standing Rock Reservation. She said if we had a Pope in Indian country, it would be Pete Catches because he had brought back to their people the Buffalo's Sundance, which were Sitting Bull Sundance. They had lost everything. So I had known about Pete for a long time. Um, I met him uh, at a, I had brought together Native Americans 
to meet with the King people because of human rights issues for Native people. Um, and so I, I, I truly felt he was a true holy man. And uh, I came out to Pine Ridge because um, uh, he had had a stroke, and I knew if he, I didn't come out, I, I felt that he would be he would pass away. And um, on the third night, um, he told me something was going to happen to me, and he woke me up at three in the morning. He was hemorrhaging, and um, he sent me after his son. And um, because he knew his son would take care of him, uh, he he truly believed that a medicine man only can truly be helped by another medicine man. Um, so that's my husband saw me, and he said he went home and cried because he didn't think he had to marry a white woman. <laughs> it takes a lot of strength for for. An, a Lakota man to marry a white woman. I I know that's true. <laughs> he, re- he said he recognized my soul, but it was he, we had to be nudged both of us to marry one another. But he asked me to marry him on the second time I saw him. So we wow we obedient to our destiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, when fate is looking you in the eye and standing in front of you, it's hard to uh, it's hard to turn away. It it is. <laughs> I mean, I tried, but, <laughs> too, but. <laughs> but we, we. So, what was it. life like um, for you on on Pine Ridge? Uh, it must have been culture shock in in many ways back in the early nineties. You know, I went from living, I was a, I had my own company in Florida, Jupiter, Florida, which is one of the wealthiest communities in the country, uh, but creating outdoor landscaping for very wealthy people, to the poorest place in the United States. It was like, um, my, and my husband and his father had to go to a, a, a spiritual gathering that they were both invited to in another state. And he just, he had to just drop me off and get people to help me to move in. So it was like tremendously good. You know, I went from, we built a cabin and we lived without electricity or water, which was common to him, but needless to say, different for me, uh, for close to eight or nine years. Wow. uh, Which is pretty common here on the reservation. And I have worked, I had done projects in different parts of the world creating beautiful environments. So I had a portfolio and social and economic development prize. I had a portfolio. I thought I could get a job anywhere. And I came to Pine Ridge, and I couldn't get work. Any work. In the, in the, in the, in the surrounding areas, in the Rapid City area? Uh you know, I didn't even consider driving to Rapid City is hour and a half. At that time, it was two hours away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it just, um, I felt like I needed to live the life of the people here before I truly understood uh, and be able to truly give back what life had, brought, had taught me. So uh, I lived that life. And, and my husband and I, you know, trying to figure out our, you know, my, let me give you a little history. My, 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 my husband's father, Pete, was uh, raised in the residential school and he uh, was a very spiritual man but was taught by the Jesuits, the residential school, that being a medicine man was a disciple of the devil or a rich doctor, so he did not want to be a medicine man. And he had a vision uh, of him being a lone sun dancer. And he he worked for the church, and he ran away from that vision for 17 years until he knew that unless he enacted it and be done with it, he was going to die. Um, 
but he did not want to be a medicine man. But he shared. He did. He finally <clears throat> built that arbor the way he thought, and and did um, the sun dance. And he said, he told me. He said, I I didn't understand why I would be crying all day long uh, dancing. And he said. I was at the height of my manhood. Why, even though he was pierced, why would he be crying? And he said, when they went to get the tree and it fell on his leg, um, it broke it. And so he danced, being the man he was, all day long on that broken leg. And that was crying, crying. But when he broke free at the end of the day, his leg was healed. And he said, and power came to him. And he said that when you when you manifest the spiritual world, that spiritual vision that we each have inside of ourselves, and manifest it in the physical realm, with that, when you bring those two worlds together, comes power. And I think that's truly that way for each of us. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, in in Lakota culture, though, it's so readily um, available. Um, the people that I've met and come to know have instant access to their uh, intuitive gifts and energetic gifts as well. Can you speak about that? Yes, it's it's um, it's generations of a, a society that was a successful civilization. It was a powerful civilization because they were they understood that their destiny was to be noble, that men's nobility was their destiny. So that is what they valued. That's what they strove for. So being. Um, for, you know, walking towards their creator as they understood him was the most important thing in their lives. And so um, so it, it's in their DNA. They, you know, we when we sacrifice and we really truly strive to be the noble person we were created to be, each one of us, uh, those sacrifices that we may have to make in this worldly materialistic society uh, isn't valued, and but yet those sacrifices comes gifts, and those gifts are born upon the people of future generations, and they understood that the future generations it was all about what sacrifices they could make for the generation that came after them. And I think Pete and Peter <clears throat> lived their lives doing that. You know, my husband brought back the Sundance, you know, helped not only his father at Standing Rock, he did the ninth year to teach them. And he was the first person to pierce, uh, to show them the power of that. Um, but Cheyenne River, Rosebud, um, Lower Brew Reservations, he brought the Spotted Eagle Sundance back to them. He he put on the Spotted Eagle Sundance. He started it when he was 19 here on Pine Ridge. He did it for 44 consecutive years. So wow. not only did he, he do that, but he, so he, uh, he did a total of 56 Sundances uh, that he ran. I don't know of any man in history that has done that. That's um, extraordinary. What a gift to all of us. Because when the Lakota d- dance, they're not just dancing for themselves, they're dancing for the world. And Peter said that, or it's even beyond that. Peter said that Arbor is the universe. Right. So this prayer is not only for every living on creation in our world but our universe so it's a it's a powerful if it's done right it's an incredibly powerful prayer and it's all about sacrifice it's it certainly is it's four days of no drinking even water uh fasting um 
constant prayer, um, aside from being tethered to the to the tree in the center of the of the Sundance area. Yes, it's a it's a beautiful prayer, uh, and it has so many symbolic meanings. Um, that really is about anyone's spiritual journey. Um, uh, I came here as I saw a mature, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Baha'i. I, I had, um, you know, when I was five or six years old, I had a Native American uh, spirit that would talk to me about my life and, and how to be as a human being. And I remember one time I was building a little house out of moss in the woods, and he said, someday you're going to marry somebody very special. And I asked him how I would find him, and he said, I never forgot what he said. He said, you'll find him when you follow the laws of God. And that was very powerful for me because I was I was raised loving Jesus because I, I was raised in a... A typical, wonderful, powerful Christian home, and but I, I, I knew that I, I knew that God was for all of humanity. Uh, that if someone living on another part of the world, whether it be in the deep jungles of South America or in China, where they practice Buddhism, that if they didn't if they didn't recognize Christ, they, they would not go to hell. That my God was bigger than that. And so I went on a journey and found that who I was was a Baha'i. And um, so coming here, helping my husband, because Baha'i is about the oneness of God, the oneness of religion, the oneness of humanity, that helping my husband an incredible amount of healing that I, you know, the miracles that I've witnessed are phenomenal of healing, uh, spirit, helping people on their spiritual path that have the Lakota way and helping him with the Sundance. I truly internalize and really experience the oneness that Baha'u'llah is trying to help the world understand that we're that humanity is the cells of one body. And so, and the globe is, you know, we're going, the earth and humanity is going through those growing pains to help us understand our oneness. Peter and the Lakota have always understood this oneness. They have a, the end of their prayer, they'll say, Matakwi Oyasin, meaning, all my relatives, all my relations, and that they're acknowledging the relationship not with not only with humanity, but with all of God's creation, the winged and the four animals and the star people and all of humanity. They're, that constant reminder that we're all connected. And basically that is, yeah, go ahead. Um, beautifully said, and I, I just want to raise the distinction here um, that this is so much in keeping with the teachings of Jesus. Jesus you know, Jesus did not create Christianity. <laughs> and um, Absolutely. The, every Jesus gave us the path towards peace. Yes, and uh, Buddha, Buddha did too. And yeah, uh, Pete said if you could translate Lakota into English, the best way he could translate is the people of peace. Right. It it the journey, the spiritual journey, is the journey towards peace. It's an internal, and when we truly manifest that inside ourselves, if we truly live the teachings of Jesus, then we will have absolute peace. And, and all religious, all religious 
true religion, not I, I hate to use the word religion because it implies organized re- religion, but all of the teachings of advanced souls duplicates but, you know, that message. Absolutely. And Baha'u'llah says a true Christian is a true Jew, is a true Muslim, is a true Baha'i. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because, but he said that what happens is that religion has to be renewed. It's not, it's, you know, so that it comes about, it, if you look at the history of religion, religion changes humanity about, comes to humanity about every thousand years. A great teacher will come, and it's 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 unity. You know, Moses was the the unity of the tribal. All the Native American religion was tribal unity. Um, you know, Muhammad's revelation was the first great nation building. Uh, most Christians don't realize that. The Muslims created the first universities and uh, math- mathematics, you know, all the contributions that the Muslim revelation brought to the world. It's it's really one religion unfolding with that, that aspect of unity growing. God is about unity. He's about color. We don't want everyone to be the same. It's our uniqueness, our differences that is so beautiful in the world. Absolutely. Um, We're going to take our first commercial break uh, and be right back with Cindy Catches. Subscribers, the last conference standing this year is uh, Consciousness in Contact at the end of July on the Pine Ridge Lakota Sioux Reservation in South Dakota. I was there last summer. That was where the incredible vision of a parallel universe that lasted three days took place. We will have a CE5, hopefully, at the Devil's Tower. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe will be there. Barbara Lamb will be there. Quite a few others. It's going to be a fabulous conference. Only 35 guests and 10 speakers, so it'll be very intimate as well. And uh, I hope to see you there. To find out more, email Mia Feraleto, M-I-A dot Feroleto, F-E-R-O-L-E-T-O, at gmail.com, or call 802-952-6217. That's 802-952-6217. Welcome back to the show. So, Cindy, um, tell us about what it was like for you um, helping Peter and Pete organize the sun dances and, and, and share with us the fact that you're continuing the sun dance ceremonies on your property um, with, with the passing of, of Pete, your husband, Peter, uh, you're continuing the tradition. You know, um, Pete and Peter, uh, when Pete said, a true medicine man's vision is to heal the people and that come to him. That's not just the Lakota people, it's all the people that come, that are, their spirits are drawn to them. And so he felt in order to heal the Lakota people, the first step would be bringing them back to who they were as Lakota because everything was stripped from them through the residential schools. Their language... Uh, their parenting skills, everything. That the two to three generations in residential schools devastated the Lakota people. They had they were only allowed to come home for two weeks, two some two months in the summer to be with their parents, even though their parents only lived a mile away. Um, so everything they spoke Lakota was the only language they spoke. That everything that was called Lakota, they were said, were lesser than, that it was from the devil. So, so this devastated the people. So Pete felt to help bring them back by bringing back the sun dances, by bringing back the 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 cultural teachings of who they are. Um, Pete and Peter spent their life doing that for their people, 
uh, they realized in the late 80s they needed to create a nonprofit. And they named that nonprofit Ochetiwakan, which means sacred fireplace. And I know that the fire that Pete was talking about was that inner fire that is with, within each one of us. Um, so um, that they, as in Peter's and my life together, uh, we started slowly working, bringing the language back into the schools because both Pete and Peter felt um, if you lose a language, and at that point when we first, uh, I I uh, surveyed all nine reserv- uh, districts on Pine Ridge, and at that time we had only 2% from zero to 17 years that under that knew that, that could speak the language, and we had over fifty percent of fifty and over uh, that spoke the language. It was their first language, so we had a unique situation. Uh, so we we dedicated the first years of our life really trying to get. We developed a curriculum for Pine Ridge schools and uh, another program that uh, to get to get the language in the schools. And uh, it looks like the, most of the schools are going by uh, Lakota Language Corteum, which is doing a really good job get, uh, with immersion and stuff. So we've come a long way with that. And then um, one of the things that interested me was uh, addiction because um, addiction is extremely high. Uh, on Pine Ridge, and um, but it's high. we have the the highest mortality rate in the country. Our life expectancy is only forty two to forty seven years old, depending on the year. Um, we have uh, actually we have the lowest life expectancy in the Western Hemisphere, as second only to Haiti. So, and we have over 80% unemployment. So it's, it's really a devastation here. So um, so addiction was, we had the same amount of people graduating from high school uh, when Indian education started in South Dakota in 1935. Less than 30% graduated even now today. We, that number has never changed. And that's wow. the trauma. That's because the trauma has never been healed. So, my I um, started. I read a um, a book by a Baha'i man uh, called "In Search of Nirvana," <clears throat> and basically he said that we have to put our resources in prevention, uh, and that, and it has to come from a, a spiritual place. Uh, we've tried mental education, but the only successful treatment for anybody that is addicted has, has had a, has to have a spiritual approach. So it only made sense that prevention had to have a spiritual approach. So we we did a, a couple of books um, called "Learning Prevention Using Lakota Values" um, in the early 2000s. Um, my husband was an alcoholic, and I would really question him on this because he was probably one of the most powerful spiritual people I've ever met. And he said, why would you think I would not have the disease of my people? And in doing, you know, and yet he was against, he, he was against alcoholism and drugs and you know, so it was really an interesting journey for me personally because I I had such an aversion uh, against alcoholism and drug addiction and all this. But it was it was a good journey for me because it, it truly is a disease. And so um, my we got to a place in our community where we were having a suicide crisis with our children with ever 
500 kids a year trying to commit suicide on our reservation alone. And my husband's health was very serious, and he knew he wasn't to be in this world a lot longer. And he was praying and praying. He even bought back an old song. He was, um, And he was invited to be a guest, to be on a panel at the National Institutes of Health. And he said, the reason when they got to Peter, <laughs> he said, the reason I'm, I'm Peter Catchers and the reason I'm here is our kids are killing themselves and I'm looking for answers. Of course, that wasn't why he was invited. But the fortunate part was that the Surgeon General was the moderator. And he came to Peter and he said, Peter, he said, we've been trying to figure out how to make people healthy for over 60 years. And he said, bottom line, what we found out is the best money spent is in prevention. So what we did is we came home and we talked about that Sundance because that Sundance, the numbers four and seven are very sacred to the Lakota. Um, So that Sundance really is a medicine will. And I sat down with my husband and I said, as a human being, in order to be healthy, we have all the things that we need to do for our physical body. We have all the things that we need to do to heal emotionally, to heal the past and the trauma that we've experienced in our lives, how to have healthy relationships. Um, we have to have, we have to, to do all these things to have a healthy spiritual body. Uh, and, and we have a lot that we have to do in order to develop our mind. So in essence, for, we have four bodies. Um, I said if we took that medicine wheel up there, and what body would represent the physical body? What, and he, we went through it and he told me. So we had that vehicle to create a curriculum from, we felt, second grade to eighth grade. Um, the reason we did this is because sec, uh, our children by second grade, seven years old, our kids and all children, really, if they're in an addictive environment, will have the will start manifesting the behavior of addiction. And so we need we knew we needed to start then, while they still had that innocence, with that the and the hope that they could do it differently than their parents. They didn't have the knowledge to do it different, but they had the hope and the purity of heart. So we created a seven years of curriculum based based in Lakota culture. That is, we, we collected over 300 ancestor stories to bring into our curriculum and our teacher's manuals. And we created a parent's handbook um, to teach the parent what we're sharing with the, with the children to get us all on board. Um, so um, that's the, the vision of Ochechewakan we have that's continuing in the future. The, I believe all the Sundances that um, Peter and Pete helped start are still continuing. Uh, and, and we've seen uh, two generations of children growing up in the Sundance and they're doing amazing things. <laughs> <laughs> there are leaders in our that's fantastic today. <laughs> so that's kind of where we're at right now well we're going to take our second and final break now and uh, be right back Welcome back to the show. Cindy, um, it's so fascinating hearing you talk about 
your curriculum because it's really around the age of six or seven that a child begins to shut down um, their own um, spiritual centers unless that's supported and encouraged. Um, their intuitive abilities, which are natural as an infant, uh, become um, diluted in a, in a sense, and their pineal gland can begin to close at that time based on the, the stimulus and input and, and support that they're given by the, the people around them. Um, and, and clearly in Lakota culture, you are recognizing that and changing the, that trajectory. Yes, it's, um, uh, you know, ideally our prevention should start prior to getting pregnant, but you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, we ha that child has to have spiritual guidance starting then and, and the encouragement to, to believe in themselves, the encouragement to trust that inner ver voice that, 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 they, that will lead them to the spirit, to be a seeker of truth. That will lead them to the spiritual path that they were destined by they were destined to find. There, there's something that you and I have talked about um, together that I'd like to bring up because I think it's so important um, for children and for adults. And that is the, the different types of medicine men and the different types of spirituality and discernment um, because a little bit of knowledge can go a long way towards confusion. And um, the practice of walking the path with discernment, with spiritual discernment, is such an important um, topic. And I'd love to hear uh, your take on that and, and any words of wisdom you have for all of us. You know, uh, my husband said that he was the last of his type of medicine man. Um, he said that time, that a cycle ended with him. There are many people that can be considered a medicine man or a medicine woman um, because of their desire to be of service to help another person to heal. Um, and uh, there are certain spiritual truths that give us power. And I'm afraid that a lot of people, not a lot, but there's always that, a segment of people that have that little bit of knowledge and they use it to manipulate people to get their own desires met. You find this for medicine men, so-called medicine men, my father-in-law would call them. You find it in the church. You find it, you, I think you find it at probably any place that you're seeking to, spirituality uh, to some degree. Um, the Baha'i faith is designed such that it makes it really hard to manifest that um, because everyone there's no leader. <laughs> so you're, you're encouraged to independently investigate truth for yourself, and that journey is, is, is an individual journey. But um, religion has a purpose, because in, if it's a true religion, a new civilization is manifested better than the past civilization. That's the power of religion. You look at Christian civilization, where man was prior to Christ. You look at the Muslim civilization, where the Muslim world was prior to, to Muhammad. So, and, and it even happens, I see it in Indian country. You know, my husband was a spotted eagle medicine man. Uh, every type of different clans, whether you're a bear medicine man, have a different way of looking at the sacred teachings 
at that time. So, so I, I guess I would say to people, if we have to trust our inner voice, that's that's something that each one of us has. And if something it doesn't feel right, and you're feeling maybe that you're being manipulated, you really need to look at that because you can truly get spiritually hurt and to the point that you might not survive. I've seen it. I've learned it myself. So um, that's important, I think. It sure is. And um, we, once, once on the path, once consciously on the path, we need to take responsibility for our thoughts and our actions and our words because um, the intensity and the power of those things intensifies when we, when we walk the path. And what we send out, send out even in a moment, even in a weak moment, can have very big consequences um, if, if left unchecked. That is so true, Mia. Our, we as spiritual beings are responsible for our thoughts. So if we buy into negativity, to the news, to um, it is our if, and they're talking about war, we need to have a greater thought. Baha'u'llah says of peace. We are thoughts are powerful. Our prayers are powerful. So that in this time of of struggling for justice, we have to be careful that we don't become at war and continue the cycle again. War is is obsolete. We have to it's a time of peace. So how do we do how do we have social justice and still be a warrior of peace? That's the challenge I think we have today right now so that we don't continue the cycle. How many times, because of injustices, have we gone to war and we, in, and we end up becoming the perpetrators? So, well, I've had several conversations this week with listeners to this show and, and Whitley and Mike's programs on, um, on Unknown Country, and people have asked me, what my advice is, um, how, you know, what they need to do or, uh, just, just a recommendation in terms of how to proceed. And my answer has been consistently the same. The most important lesson that I have learned on this path, which, you know, I've really been on my whole life, um, is to just tell the truth, to acknowledge your your real feelings about any given situation and not lie to, to yourself, um, not be ambivalent, um, and, and to express that truth. Because when you're being honest about any given situation, the person has the opportunity to be honest back uh, to you. Absolutely, and the truthfulness is the foundation of all human virtues. I mean, it's the foundation, yes. <laughs> uh, and if we and it, it's what we have trust, what builds trust. And the other thing I would say is to do it with love, because yes. a heart a heart full of fear cannot be possessed by love. So we have a choice: do we want our heart to be fearful? Or do we want our heart full of love? And if we tell our truth with love, it it will bring us to peace. I really believe that, Mia. You're absolutely right. And well, just to tell it without judgment, you know. I mean, exactly, I think exactly. I think I think love can come in stages because you know we're learning about universal love. But but to just not attack, you know, to just state state your truth and what happens when you're doing that is your entire internal alignment becomes clean and sparkly and and straight so that 
the information that's coming in from the universe and from everyone else can be heard and not distorted. Um, and, and that's it, what and you're then transmute, transmitting out. And it's magic, especially yes. if, if you, <laughs> it's so, it's what life is about. It's the sparkle, it's the light. And if you can do it without judgment, because each one of us has a path and we don't know what transpired in that path. As the Indians say, we didn't walk in their moccasins. And uh, so we really don't have the capability of judgment. So that's a huge thing, Mia, that you're absolutely right. That's powerful. Well, when you talk about Peter's experience with alcohol and the fact that he he was such a powerful healer, the truth is he was he took it in. He was doing an alchemical healing for the collective, um, and he suffered tremendously doing that. He, it was not he, an easy path. It, he, he did. I, I remember um, my sister met this medicine man down in uh, Southwestern, he, and she told him that she was his sister-in-law, and he said, oh, he said, it was awful what happened to Peter. And she said, what do you mean, is alcohol? And he, she said, no. He said, he said I, was a gathering, I was at a gathering close to the Canada that he was there. All these medicine men were called together there. And he said there was a medicine man there that was very powerful. And he was doing such, but he worked for the dark side. And he said Peter took him on. And he swallowed and diffused all that medicine man's power. Mm-hmm. He, said, I'd be, I, he said, I don't know anyone would have done that. He said, I'd be drunk too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we can't judge. We have, and that was part of his job was to, to take things that were dark and, and get rid of them. To, you know, to, because light is the power, absolutely. But a lot of people and, judge him. And facing the dark, uh, you know, that that's the thing too, to just, we can't sweep these things under the carpet. We have to look at them, own them, and and transmute them. Absolutely. Accept them absolutely. and transmute them. Right. You're ab- you're ab- dark is what teaches us. I mean, if it wasn't for the dark, how would we go for the light, so to speak? You know, because the dark hurts. It's not a good place to be. It hurts us. It destroys everything that's good inside of us. So it's the vehicle to send us to the creator, to the light, and to become an instrument of the light, I think, you know. Absolutely. But it's kind of unbalanced right now. So we really have to truly focus on our thoughts and there's so the universe is there to help us there's so many angels and spirits i asked peter who he worked with and the eagles and he said the best way i can explain them he said they're angels that have never been on earth and as we raise our consciousness we get to communicate with them and they're there to help and assist us because any true spiritual being, whether they're in earth or, or around the earth, are there to serve humanity, to serve others, other life forms. We're there to help with life, right? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, divine intervention from all from all forms, from all realms. Is a is a constant if we avail ourselves of it. It's it's always there. It's always right. there to help. It's always there, and and the Lakota understand that that they that being a service is the highest thing that they can do, and as Baha'is too. I mean, I think any spiritual person uh, in our curriculum, we're constantly bringing back how can we be of service? How what can we sacrifice for the for the generations that come after us to have a better life. Yeah, especially now. 
especially as we look around after three months of being sequestered and see the life force and the vibrancy in the air and the trees and the plants and the animals. It's, it's just extraordinary. Um, what has you know, been it, shown to all of us. It's, it's undeniable now. It's, you know, my husband asked the spirits, he said, what is the most evil thing in the world that I have to deal with? And he said, greed. Mm-hmm. They said greed. And so this materialism, is this materialism, racism, all of that is a spiritual disease. And it, and uh, and the basis probably is from fear, because we're valued on those things. So we have to we have to destroy. It. This pandemic is giving us an opportunity to realize that we can live probably better without oil if we put our resources into green. Uh, we have the technology, the hemp industry. Uh, can create everything that plastic can create. We can get off our addiction to petroleum. So it's giving us a time to understand the value of our relationships, that life is about relationships. And not being able to go up to someone and hugging them is is giving us something to think about. So I, I, a friend of mine said, and I think it's so true, he said, God is giving us a time out. You know, when children mis- misbehave. Right. And, <laughs> and a very gentle one, too, in many ways. Um, it, could have, it could be way worse. It could be, it, it, and it could be if we don't change. Yeah. That, that, you know, a lot of people are thinking, well, we'll go back to how we were. That's that's not going to happen. If it does, it's we're going to get slammed harder. We have to change, and the only and everyone thinks that we have to change those around us, but in reality, we have to change ourselves. And in changing ourselves, the change will happen. That is so true. That is that is absolutely true. Yeah. So you've married your Baha'i faith with your Lakota faith. (laughs) Yeah. um, In more ways than one. (laughs) It is all one. And and isn't it wonderful? God, you know, God is about peace. God is about love, you know. So, uh, So this incredible journey we're on, um, is yes, it's a marriage, uh, and I I feel I've been blessed. I I mean, how, it was only by going my spiritual journey would I have ever met Peter. Would I've ever created what we created together? We were able to do so much more because we were together, and. Uh, so I really encourage everyone out there to follow their heart, to follow that spiritual path that you're burning inside to investigate. Um, Will you have a... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted well, to say, you know, I I wanted to talk about our curriculum for those who are out there that might like to please do in some way. Yes. Um, we have, Oglala Lakota County Schools are going to be using our curriculum from, actually from kindergarten to uh, eighth grade. They're going to start with our ancestor stories in kindergarten. But they can't afford to buy the, the actual curriculum for them. They're only doing the teachers, and they're giving the teachers and counselors our curriculum. But I'm trying to raise funds to buy workbooks for all the kids because they will – they need these workbooks to be able to go back when someone's bullying them or to remind them how that they're a sacred being and all this different stuff that our book uh, encourages them to remember. So um, I just wanted to share that. Wow. How much How much do you need to raise to provide um, the, wor- the workbooks well, to the students? You know, there's four schools, and the workbooks uh, – 
most of the workbooks are only $35 a piece. And some of them, the 7th and 8th graders, they're $40 a piece because they're much bigger because it includes journaling, where, where uh, and uh, which I think is so important as I get older for the healing process to get rid of all that poison inside of them. Um, but uh, we have, a, between the four schools, is about a 1,000 students, a little over a 1,000 students. Well, we will have um, contact information for you and for Asetiwa Khan on um, the podcast along with this interview. And I encourage everyone to consider sponsoring a book. Um, I know a lot of people are unemployed at the moment, but please think about sponsoring um, one book for for the students each, uh, in, if you can. And in fact, um, at, at the conference and in the issue of new observations, we will put that out as well to people. Thank you. Thank you for that. And, and uh, I, Lakota culture, really keeping the Lakota culture is a gift to the whole world. Keeping every culture that we still have alive is a gift to the whole world. It's, uh, it's like keeping all the species of animals. It's even more so. We, 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 the difference is a gift. It's God's gift creation. So uh, I encourage that. Well, my personal belief is that um, I, I agree with with Lakota teachings that man came from the Black Hills and spread out o- over the world. I, I, my sense, and and you know, this is firsthand experience from being there, um, is that the Black Hills are the heart of America. And, and the heart of the world. And in terms of continuing the legacy, the Lakota traditions and, and legacy and stories and culture, it's, it's a critical part of reconnecting with who we are, who, who, who all of us are um, as a human it's, being. It's true. Uh, the- the Lakota have always said the Black Hills was the heart of the universe. Uh, it's really interesting because in NASA, if they, they took pictures of the Black Hills, it looks like a human heart. It looks like a human heart, yeah. Yes, and and when I first visited Lakota country, I really felt the heartbeat. I, it truly is the heart. And it's, and relations, it's all about relationships. Lakota have such an incredible heart to include their brothers and sisters from all over the lands of this world. My husband's family has housed, there's no, they don't know what a stranger is. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful culture. That's really true of everyone that I've met at Pine Ridge. The door is open uh, the mattresses are available, <laughs> uh, and um, you know, and and the food is shared. It's an extraordinary, it's an extraordinary way of approaching each day. It it really is. It it's uh, it's been such a blessing uh, to be here and to be a part of Lakota, the Lakota world, and. I feel very blessed. So can you just give us a a brief update on what it's like on Pine Ridge um, under the quarantine, and will you be doing your Sundance this year? Yes. um, I I can't imagine that we won't continue the prayer. That prayer is so important. Um, It's... it's, um, it's where power is and lies and emanates throughout the world. So, but what that will look like, I don't know. Um, I know um, my father-in-law always said he never invited anyone to the Sundance. The spirits invite them. So 
So we're doing our part. So, um, but we, right now the tribe is n- not allowing anyone on the reservation that doesn't live here or has important business here. Um, we have about 25 people right now with COVID-19 that we know of. That we just got tests a couple of weeks ago, really, uh, to be able to te- to do, you know, testing. Uh, I, I'm very proud of our uh, our tribal president and our council because they, when we got two people with COVID-19, they put us on lockdown where we couldn't leave our house for 72 hours so that they could identify the people that um, those people had contact with. So, so we had people at at all of our locations of in and out of the reservation that are policing, so to speak, um, whether you belong here or not. So they're trying really hard. They don't want to be wiped out by COVID-19. They, they have it. We have a history of the chickenpox, what the chickenpox did to the Lakota and other tribes. So, um, so they're being very diligently. I need to talk my, my nephew who grew up in our Sundance is the cultural advisor for the tribe. So I need to talk to him what the status is for people that ha- are either dancing or coming to sun. I know a lot of Sundances have, have said they're not having them, but that's not so with us. But, um, but what that's going to look like, I don't know yet. We're, we're in a, a day that every day is important. Uh, we have to deal with the now. <laughs> it's so true. From day to day, the changes are, are at, it seems like, at lightning speed. Um, you know, lightning. each day is a new beginning. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 our thoughts. And so, so um, yeah, that's kind of about where we're at. We're... Um, we're just being hit by COVID-19, our reservation and Rapid City. Um, we, we're, our numbers are growing because, um, the, you know, most people are in denial that it exists. Right, right. So that hopefully we'll, you know, we'll be able to keep that limited. Well, um, I'm currently in Vermont, and Vermont population-wise is comparable to South Dakota. South Dakota, I think, has about 30,000 more people. And Vermont was named, you know, the the best-managed state throughout this. And people just respected each other and stayed home and wore masks and washed their hands. The hand-washing is such a critical part of it. Um, it really is. Yeah. So it's it's really about, you know, mutual respect. It is. But so, it also, it, go ahead. Um, no, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you go it's ahead, about, Cindy. You know, it's, it's, it's also about um, a lot of our people are ill. They are in the disease of alcoholism and so much trauma that they – denial everything the denial is great about everything so our tribe is trying to protect those people to protect them so that they can heal they have a chance to live so absolutely so we sometimes have to put in strict enforcement to protect those that can't help themselves right now well, the Lakota, the Lakota people, uh, uh, something like the COVID virus could wipe out the entire tribe if, if allowed to spread um, unchecked. So this is absolutely the right approach for the tribe to take, um, and and we have to respect the tribe and their decision. That's. You know, that's the way, absolutely, 
we have to right. we have to proceed. But if we're concerned about each other and the health of our friends and neighbors and family, then we do what's necessary individually. Again, it's that spiritual hygiene that we've talked about throughout this conversation um, that, you know, is involved in everything that we do throughout our lives. Absolutely. And I mean, it's a hardship not going to my nieces and nephews and grandchildren and not giving them a hug. It's a hardship. But absolutely. But we have to be diligent and be responsible that we just that we can't do that right now to help everybody to live, you know, right. Well, we've come to um, the end of our chat. Is there anything specifically you'd like to say before we say goodbye for the time being? No, I I just think that I just want to encourage everyone to to face whatever fears they're looking at and to be a warrior to find their heart and... Uh, be very conscious of our thoughts because we're in very, very critical times. There are those, reach out to the angels. They're there to help you. Uh, We're in critical times and it's, uh, we can't keep putting things off. We We have to be serious about this transformation. And I just appreciate your time so much. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, Cindy, thank you so much for joining us. And um, all the information on your work and Aseti Wakan will be with this podcast on our website. And um, thank you so much for joining us here today. Many blessings. And thank you for all the incredible work you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. I feel so blessed and honored to be um, to be included in in the Pine Ridge world um, to the extent that I am. It's it's a great gift for me and and my life. So thank you, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>